Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian. Now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Stephanie Notaris. She is an accredited practicing dietitian who knew she wanted a career where she had the opportunity to help and talk with people, which led her to dietetics. During her time as a student, she kept feeling the tug to direct patient care. And after asking a mentor their thoughts, they shared some more insight about renal nutrition. And she's been hooked ever since. She has her master's in counseling, is currently a renal dietitian, has her own business and a valuable program called Dietitian Counseling Skills Program, and is fiercely combining the two areas by getting her PhD in renal nutrition and counseling. Please enjoy my conversation with Stephanie. Thank you so much for waking up early on your in your side of the world to chat with me today on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me in. It's fantastic to be here. Well, I know that I we've had such sweet conversations over Instagram. I just think you are just the loveliest persona. I, you're so warm and friendly and inviting. And as I kind of started learning a little bit more about you on Instagram and just kind of watching your videos and your stories, I think you're doing such a cool thing for dietitians. So I wanted to get to know you more and also hear your path to dietetics. And so why don't you share with me, let's go back a little farther in early Stephanie life and kind of tell me how you got interested in dietetics. Um, I've, it was about um, a year before I finished high school and had to make a decision on what I wanted to do. Um, dietetics was actually not the top choice in my mind at that time, but I started really thinking about what job would I really enjoy that would make me feel very fulfilled. Um, and I just felt like nutrition and dietetics would be such a wonderful career. It would be great to know how um, things work in the body. Health was really important um, to us growing up. My, my parents had a very big emphasis on, um, you know, trying to be healthy in a way where you're just moving your body joyfully and, and nourishing yourself. Um, and I think that just stuck with me and I got quite interested when I thought quite deeply about what I would really like to know and what I think I could enjoy for for a career. Um, and so I picked dietetics. Did you know any dietitians before that? Or did you, like, how did you, I always ask, how did you find out about it? Because I did not know it was even a career. And so I kind of like stumbled across it. So did you happen to know anyone or did you just kind of stumble across it as well? No, I just stumbled across it. I feel like if I knew someone, it could have been a bit easier. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did spend like part of the degree and we all know how long it is to become a, a dietitian and mm -hmm. how long it takes. Um, but even afterwards, like the first few years of my career, I was never really, I could never really see where I would get to because I, I never had a role model. It was only, I could only look up to whoever was a dietitian within the organizations I was working I think I was just very interested in how um, food and nutrition impacts the body. And it's something that we all do. So it, it, yes. it always fascinated me. Yes. 
I agree. Like I always say it starts with, you know, the food, we have that food connection and we all eat, but that whole, that next level is that nutrition side. And so I'm kind of like you, like, I think that's so interesting how nutrition and food really affect people's health. Yep, absolutely. So when you kind of started, when you did that and you went to school, you did all the things. Uh, I know that I've had some other guests in your neck of the woods, but share with me the process. I think it's very similar to here in the United States of how you go about it. Is it an internship or what do they call it for you all? We call it a placement. Placement. It's very, very similar to an internship. So you study the um, the core content of the degree, which is a lot of science. That's the way that it's presented to us. Um, in Australia, lots of biochemistry. It's very similar to the US. And mm-hmm. then you go on to do your honours degree or a master's degree to become a dietitian. I think they've recently changed it now. So a lot of people are going through a master's program. Um, it takes about four to five years depending on uh, the route that you take. And then if you pass your placement, which is uh, like a year-long um, placement and perhaps a research project together, then you're able to apply for what we call our equivalent to a registered um, dietitian credential is an accredited practicing dietitian credential. That's that's a, it's very similar. Maybe a little bit longer, it sounds like, I think, but very, very similar. Yeah, I think so. So did you do that at the same is it the same schools usually that you do your like you know your study in previously to the to the um, placement or is it do you have to kind of go to different locations throughout the country? You go through you go to different locations. We're a bit lucky because at the moment we still have our placements organized for us by the university. Where oh, I know less nice. um, students have a very big role in trying to find their placements. So we just get allocated um, hospitals or organisations or private practices or if you've got a special interest, you can um, request a certain area of dietetics. Uh, but you mainly have a, cl- a clinical rotation, a food service or commu- a food service rotation and either a community or a corporate rotation. So that's exactly the same as us too. So when you did your internship or your placement, your internship where did you kind of feel drawn to what was your you know when you were thinking this is what I want to do when I get older what was your your niche that you thought you would want to do I just really wanted to talk to people so it had to be something that involved direct client care um and I really did like for a very like I really liked the clinical route um when I was first graduating I just I found it I found the science fascinating and it just it let me combine the science with um communication and I loved clinical too I feel like there's some people that just clinical is just not their thing but I loved it as well was there a certain area of clinical that you really enjoyed I know working with people and talking with people but was there some type of uh, medical area that you really enjoyed Yes, I actually really enjoyed two areas. I loved the areas of chronic care um, and that was because I could really see how our conversations could really impact on their life and they were, um, even though they weren't always open to change, it was just always so fascinating and enjoyable to me for someone to let me in on their 
their their life and let me talk about something as important as eating behavior change for them mm-hmm. and then I also include my very early stages, I did enjoy that very, very clinical um, focus of like surgical care as well. But I was mm. always more drawn to things like diabetes and and renal disease and um, gastrointestinal conditions. And I think that's because it were the areas where I could really talk to people. Absolutely. Well, and I think you need to talk to those people, Mark, because they do have so many things going on when it comes to those disease states like it's not just a cut and dry like you need to you need to like actually have some pretty in-depth conversations with them to understand what's going on yeah I remember when I did um a neurology rotation and that last while I was a, a working dietitian many years ago and it lasted for 18 months and Although that was like clinically interesting, it was a real struggle for me because unfortunately so many of my patients, we called them patients because they were in hospital at the time, um, they they couldn't talk to me because their conditions were affecting um, their speech. And so I was really, really conflicted for those 18 months because I was also, that was when I was finishing off my Masters of Counselling and I was just so desperate to uh, talk to people and use my skills because I knew how how helpful they could be. I did see that you had your master's in counseling and I think that's such an interesting master's degree that you have because that's just like the perfect fit with being a dietitian is that counseling skill. So I could see where neurology I wish I would have had that opportunity because that's a a whole nother area I feel like that's untapped for dietitians but to be able to use your skills that had to be very difficult yes it was that that rotation always felt for me like it was going to be temporary um I just I took what, what I could from it I learned amazing skills in terms of teamwork and knowledge um but Ultimately, I knew that that wouldn't be the area that I would like to practice in um, long term. Sure, that makes sense. And I, I'm assuming the counseling was just like a perfect fit, like the Masters of Counseling was just a perfect fit for what your long term passions were with, with actually working and speaking with clients. Oh, absolutely. I remember um, having a conversation with my manager at the time and I said, can you, can my next rotation please be some, uh, somewhere where I can talk to people that is still technically stimulating um, but I want them to have like if there is an area in dietetics where you think people struggle a lot to change their eating behaviors just throw me in there Um, and that's when my manager at the time turned around and said have you ever thought of renal nutrition and I'm like no that's that sounds, I've always thought that was a, a, a quite a difficult, overwhelming area, but let, let's give it a go. And then I never left. Really? So that was kind of like your first, um, your first and last kind of actual dietitian kind of practice. Yes. So how long did you do that for? I'm still actually doing that. Are um, you? Part time. Yes. So I really love working in renal nutrition and my very similar to the US, it's unfortunately very dialysis heavy. So what I've been working on the last few years is gathering research um, into how dietitian intervention 
in earlier stages of CKD before people reach dialysis can make a difference to their lives and to organisational um, costs as well. Mm. And have been able to shift some of our um, organisational practice into being able to provide a much better pre-dialysis service for people so they don't just see dietitians for the first time when they're on dialysis and, you know, so much work that we could have helped just is cancelled out because they've already got the outcome of being on dialysis. I love to hear that because I think that's kind of an emerging area of dietetics because, I mean, we always knew it because we're dietitians and we always know that. Mm -hmm. But I think like there needs to be more of an early intervention because I get, I don't know if it's the same over there, but I'll get patients that come to me and they had looked through their chart just because, you know, Um, you know, digital charting is available and they're like, oh, I was looking through my chart notes from my doctor and I have stage three kidney disease. No one ever has told me that. Does that happen to you? Like, does that sometimes happen? Oh, it is common, um, but they're actually the lucky ones if we see them that early. Because Um, that doesn't happen very often. No, generally when they get, um, they get to see a dietitian to discuss how eating behavior change can protect their kidneys. It's a lot later. It's usually in the advanced stages just before they hit dialysis. So whilst eating behavior change helps with symptoms, it doesn't necessarily, it won't, it will help with progress. I've been able to show in some of my research studies that by seeing a dietitian when your kidney function is even an average of 16, you can delay dialysis by another seven months if you were planning for it. So eating behavior Mm. change real role but just imagine the role that we could have of dietitians if we were allowed to see them earlier or if they knew about it if it was like mainstream therapy here's your tablet here's your blood pressure machine here's a referral to a dietitian yes gosh that would be amazing I feel like kidney disease is just becoming more and more prevalent yes it sure is um it's like in Australia, it's one in eight, and I think global, sorry, one in ten people, and I think globally, it's very close to that too. Um, so it is, it is very prevalent. So that's actually one of, one of the things that I that I work now is um, gathering research into how our interactions with um, with people can really make a difference because unfortunately, change doesn't happen without data. Uh, so. We're collecting data now. That's my other job. I'm doing a PhD in this area. And so my mission is let's try and get people earlier access to dietitians to help improve their health and their life. And then when they do get to see a dietitian, let's help these dietitians have the best communication and counselling skills possible so these people have a more likelihood of thinking about change and doing it successfully when it's going to really make a difference. Mm, That's awesome that you're doing all of that. And you're right about the data. Like we have to have data to like prove anything, right? No one will listen to you. Like, no, (laughs) um, I just, interesting. I just finished off um, a a paper that's about to um, get published and it was looking at 
renal clinicians' views on the role of, of diet in CKD from stages one to dialysis. And there is no doubt everyone thinks it's important in dialysis, but only the diet, like the dietitians compared to all the other renal clinicians thought it was so much more important in stages one to four. So we do have um, this, the results of this study really showed us that um, we need to do a little bit more advocacy work before we go on and just say we need we need more, you need to fund more dietitian positions. Mm. Do you and then like as a dietitian for where you work, are you the only full time dietitian there? Do you have a staff? Um, there, there are there are a couple of us, um, but it it is quite limited. And you probably have like two hundred patients. <laughs> Well, we have over a thousand. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yes. We service a really large area. There's probably around maybe close to, maybe close to two if we look at it as like a district. Um, But yes, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely not, not enough of us. Um, So there's a lot of advocacy and research work in, um, in, in that position that I hold along with seeing clients. But I think now, cause I've taken it a different to a different level. I do a lot of the advocacy and the, uh, the service development. And then I also run the um, counseling skills program part-time too. I was going to ask how you are able to do all the things because <laughs> I was like, there is no way she can do all this research and advocacy work for a thousand patients like by herself. So that's good that you're not seeing patients as much because that yeah. would be a lot. Yes, it, it would be impossible. Yeah, but you definitely still need more dietitians to yeah. help you all, yes. We, we need another 10. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the data is showing. Like I know it's, it sounds like we can easily say, oh, everyone needs 10 dietitians, but we actually really do need them. Well, that would be a dietitian would have a hundred patients. You know, like if you think about it, that's a hundred patients. That's still a lot of patients. Yeah, that's right. And you know, I've I've got data now on how it actually um, reduces hospital costs. It reduces admissions. There's a significant difference if someone sees a dietitian with CKD versus if they don't. They cost less, um, and they have admissions to hospital along with the most important thing for them, which is their quality of life of being able to stay off dialysis for a bit longer. For sure. Do you have a mix of like peritoneal dialysis and then the, and what's the yes. other name of the dialysis? I can't think of it. I should know this. Yes. Hemodialysis. Hemodialysis. Yes. Do you have a combination of those types of we patients? Do. We do. I feel like they kind of, I feel like for a while their peritoneal was kind of, not really on the docket, but I feel like there might be a little bit more of that increasing in the field. Yes, they're definitely pushing it more in Australia, that home-based dialysis where people can feel a bit more independent uh, while they're having to do their treatment because they can Mm. do it at home. That's so interesting. See, like this is all stuff that I did not get a lot. I didn't get as much education on it as I would have liked when I was going through school and, and that stages. So that's so interesting to see that how that was really popular 20 years ago and then it kind of went away and now it's coming back because it does give people freedom. Yes. I think there's a lot that we didn't learn in our, um, in our schooling. And I do sometimes think back and wish, oh, I wish we covered this or that. But then we probably would have been studying for 15 years. 
Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's important to get the basics and then you just need to train in the extras that will help your job right. um, be more effective at your job. And that you find passion in, obviously. So let's let's talk a little bit about that other aspect of your career, which is your passion for counseling patients, yeah. but then also helping dietitians counsel patients better. So tell me where this kind of came up for you, the idea of your part-time business and how you're helping dietitians. Sure. This is probably one of my favorite um, parts of my career, uh, the, the counseling skills for dietitians. So I remember when I first started working as a dietitian, I was like, like a lot of us really excited to impart the knowledge that I had learned and just watch people flourish and make changes and um, do it effortlessly, right? But mm-hmm. I soon got a real um, a big surprise when people just weren't doing the changes that we were talking about. Um, they were struggling with it. They, over time, just stopped coming back. Um, and I had, I tell the story of, I, I've, I had a few supervisors at the time and there's a real, um, uh, I guess, uh, sense of, oh, if people can't, if people are not changing, it means they're not ready, there's nothing you can do. So I was hearing a lot of that when I would voice my frustrations, but then I did have one mentor that um, stretched my thinking a lot. He, uh, they were a lot more experienced and they could just, they, they just so happened to have felt the way I had felt when they first started. And they questioned my counselling skills and what they thought I could do differently because I did feel like it was more than just someone's not ready. I was, I was thinking to myself, geez, it'd be really good if I knew what to say when this person was struggling just to bring them back and get them thinking about things. So I ended up going down the Masters of Counselling um, route and that was really transformational for me. And when I, I, was being, I was able to adapt a lot of the skills from that degree that I could see applicable to the nutrition care process because not everything can be transferred, but there are things that can, that keep us within our scope of practice but can make us a lot more effective with helping people with behaviour change, like the, our language so I handpicked the skills that I thought could uh, be really well transferred to the nutrition care process and I was doing it myself and seeing just such amazing engagement from the people, that the clients I was working with. Um, and then when I finished the degree, I got invited by my organisation to create a framework, a program, like a workplace education program for 50 dietitians. Um, so that was I didn't wow. realize at the time that that would springboard me to where I am because I was actually able to sit down and put my framework to writing, um, learn how to teach it in a simple way because sometimes we'll go to these um, workplace events or seminars or webinars and it can be so theory heavy but you really need the application of it mm-hmm. because we're also stretched in our roles. And the results um, and were just so positive and I got to publish the framework and publish Ooh. the results of what the dietitians experienced with, um, with working with me on this program. And um, they just felt so much more confident. They felt like these were skills that they'd never been, um, that they've never had exposure to before. And uh, they really felt more confident in their own abilities and they felt like they were having much better conversations and interactions with the people they were serving 
And then over time, I just thought, why not be able to give access to this to lots of people, not just people face-to-face where I'm living? And then I went on the journey of figuring out how to run an online business. Oh, my gosh. That is so exciting. Like, you're, like, cutting edge. Oh, thank you. <laughs> because, you know, like just to be able to be, have the foresight to like see that there's such a need and then create this whole process, like just a process and putting all those systems in place to help people that need to learn these skills better that we probably should get in school, but we don't. That's mm. pretty amazing. Well, thank you. I really think now with some, um, with the internet, so many dietitians can really just showcase what they do so we're sharing our knowledge with with each other and be able to help each other a lot more with the skills that we need for sure for sure so when you thought about running your own business was it pretty easy since you did this all prior to kind of starting your business was it easy to kind of go into that private practice you know the the easy part of what I'm doing is running the program because that is what I already had established. Mm-hmm. So over the last um, uh, year and a half of having this online, I've just been able to get feedback from the dietitians that come through it. So this program has evolved so much from the pr- framework that I published four years ago. Um, so it's so much better now. So that part's always been because it's my bread and butter. Like I really know how to do that. I think it was everything else, like setting up an Instagram account. I didn't even have Instagram. Uh, I didn't even know what a story was. Like my um, business advisor at the time was like, Stephanie, you need to you need to go on a story and just talk so people can see you. And I was like, uh, <laughs> so it's been all the um, like the administration, the marketing, the like getting people to know about me because I'm quite known where I where I am in my state. People know I do this, but then you know it's about getting getting my service and my name out there, like in places like the UK, in America, and and and, and lots of other countries where. Um, dietitians are practicing. And I, I kind of hear you on that because, you know, especially you kind of, I would say you maybe did it but like opposite of what most people do. They kind of get their start, like getting on social media and kind of getting to see what people need. And then you already had that all done. So then you were trying to get on social media to do, to do, to see where the people are that could benefit from your program. Yes, but that's exactly right. I was like, I'm here. Where are you? <laughs> come find come find me. <laughs> I didn't even understand what it like I'm very behind with Instagram. Let's just put it that way. Now I'm I'm catching up, I'm much better, but I was very behind um when I first started. Well, I think you're doing an amazing job. I would have never I thought, you know, I felt like I just discovered you just because that, you know, we kind of have Similar, in, similar interest in just being there as support system for dietitians. So, did, have you found that you're reaching a whole other level of individuals that are needing these services? Oh, ab- absolutely, and it's been really interesting because up until recently, um, it was mainly I was mainly working with US and UK dietitians, not as many um, Australian ones where I'm from. Hmm. And I think that's because uh, 
there are probably more dietitians in private practice on social media in other continents. Um, I could be wrong, but that's just the sense I get. And now um, Australian dietitians are jumping on and, and moving their private practices to the online space and needing to market through social media. Oh, that's really interesting. That's great. Mm. So if you were talking to let's just my audience today that would be listening or anytime listening in the future, will you share a little bit more of how you run your program and what that looks like? Yes, of course. Um, I'd love to. So it's a it's all online. It's a 12-week program. It's a very um, supportive environment. So there is a lot of mentoring and coaching from me. Um, and it has an online content component where um, you go in and you learn the framework at your own pace. But then we have, um, we could be having daily support or at least uh, through, um, you know, texting or that you get, there is a live call that I run where it is, um, it's face-to-face online and we really go through questions and how these skills can be implemented to a dietitian's practice. So I've created it in this way because you need to learn the content. That's really important. But then the implementation is so key. So you, um, I help dietitians with how to apply this directly to their practice. So they get that individualized support from me, which is really necessary because it's so easy to get information overload and and be stuck and then stay stuck if you don't have someone that understands the time pressures of seeing people in clinics or online and and being efficient and effective at the same time. So they get the individualised support, they get the education and then they get the group dynamic where we all learn from each other because dietitians do have similar issues when it comes to um wanting to help their clients who are struggling to change and wanting to have a really good effective evidence-based structure to what they do every every day in their consults. Mm -hmm. That's good. I like that you have some of that personal touch because you're, I feel like, you know, a, a private practice dietitian versus a clinic dietitian, there probably is a little bit of difference in how they do things, but still the same, but still different. So it's nice that you have that personal touch, but it's also great that you have that group kind of component as well. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And private practice is quite different because if people don't come back to see you, it actually affects your livelihood as a business person because you're not going to get paid. Mm-hmm. So learning um, the extra strategies that can enhance that client experience, it can make people feel very engaged and and trust you within that professional relationship that you're building and helping them make changes along the way. That is what enhances client retention. And I know that like there is so much focus online about, you know, uh, you need this marketing strategy and this and that, but we totally forget about the client retention strategy. Like people need to stay with you long enough to get results, right? And they need, yes. to be, they need to be talking about you. They need to tell their referrers that they made a really good choice by referring you or telling their friends you should go and see this person because they helped me so much. This dietitian was amazing. Um, and that's what the right consulting process can do for dietitians. That's such a great, I mean, I would say I've never really thought of that. You know, like that's probably the last thing people are thinking about when they're starting a business 
is that client retention. They think about all the other things, but they're not thinking about how am I going to be the best dietitian I can be for my clients. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's just the way that there's such a focus on marketing and less of a focus on the client experience. Yeah. But I know in, in my, um, in my uh, nutrition practice with clients, like client retention is so important because it's the only, like people need to see you multiple times to get the outcomes that they can get by working with you. And um, I remember the first year I was in, um, in renal and when I finished my um, master's degree and I was just really set on working in this framework that I teach, I inherited a clinic that had like a 5%, sorry, a 50% no-show rate. Ooh. Every week, 50% of the people booked in did not attend. That's awful. (laughs) That's awful. It sure is. And by the end of the year, um, or the end of the 12 months, it was down to 5%. Oh, my gosh. Now that's huge. it, It is huge because there are people that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to serve if they didn't show up. I wouldn't be able to create new services for them because they're letting me understand their experience and, and get data to build the services that they can access. Such a good point. I think, I don't know, like that just, even if you're not in private practice, like that's a great example too of, you know, also your time is so valuable Where, wherever you're at and wherever you're practicing as a dietitian yes you want to serve your clients and yes you want to create the right programs but their time and your time is valuable and if they're not showing up then they have better things to be doing which is not good oh absolutely and it can really take us down like we can spiral into these you know all these emotions of just not being fulfilled because you don't see like I know it's a generalization, but I think a lot of us as dietitians who do see clients, we really want to help them ch- change for the better. Mm-hmm. Whatever the change is, um, we're usually coming at it from a very good place. So when we don't get the chance to do that with our clients or if our skill set is very much based on education, which is only the right strategy when people are like so ready to change and overcome all their barriers before they come to see you, we can be left very lost because I think the it's like 80% of people that come to you are not actively ready to change and have not worked through their own barriers to change. Right. So if we're not able to help them with that, we're kind of missing a big chunk of people that we could be working with that are still our ideal client. We just need skills to be able to move them across that journey of change irrespective of how slow it is for them, just to help them move forward because eventually they're going to get there. You're so wise. <laughs> you, 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 I mean, you've had some great experience to help you figure, get more just into this whole helping clients and, you know, listening and creating and doing the research and securing the data. I mean, like you definitely put a lot of thought into everything that you do. Um, I, I really try to thank you, Anne. I, I um, I really try to come from it from a place of, of like the so what, like why is this even important? And I figure that out first, and then we work out the rest. Um, I think that's just for me. I think one of my, something that's really important to me is just contributing 
to whatever I'm doing and, and for it to be purposeful. And I think I've just been driven to serving people with kidney disease and serving dietitians to be able to serve their their um, clients better. I've just been driven to that because it really brings me that sense of that sense of, of purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I think it kind of worked out well. Like I always say to myself, geez, I wish I started this earlier. But perhaps I started it at the time I needed to because now I've got all these all this experience with my own um, uh, clients that I I've worked out how to practically apply everything without it taking like two hours for dietitians to do a consult. Yeah, <laughs> and that's helpful for our whole profession. If you figured that out, you know, like that just is one of those things that can just help what you're doing, helping future dietitians and current dietitians to do the same. Well, hopefully, I would I would really love to be able to like serve as many dietitians as possible and just help them feel more effective and efficient with what they're doing and, and impactful. I think we all want to feel that way. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of us at the end of the day are like, did I even do anything that mattered today? <laughs> I have yeah. that question sometimes in my head. <gasps> yep, absolutely. I'm with you there. <laughs> So for the future, um, what do you kind of see? Do you kind of feel like you'll stay in you know, kidney health? Do you feel like you'll kind of try to keep expanding your dietitian program? What does the future look like for you? Uh, look, I think for me that there's a few things that seem a bit more certain than others. So I don't know if I've mentioned, but I am doing a PhD, trying to collect all this all this data around renal disease and dietitians' counselling skills. So I'm doing a lot of research combining the two areas that I love. And because I'm still halfway, I don't know where that's going to take me. But I, what I'm sure of is that I will be servicing dietitians and helping them improve their counselling skills for a, a very long time because there is a, there is a need um, and it's. I just really enjoy teaching and watching um, dietitians grow with these skills. And you know the the feedback where you know, oh, Stephanie, you, you know, I've been able to do this and that, and it's so efficient now. I feel so much better. Even when dietitians just feel more confident, it gives me like this little warm feeling. And then the rest of, you know, my clients came back. They did what they what we discussed. I was able to work through these challenges with them. All that's, you know, the the, the extra. So I, th- I think this is probably going to stay on my career path. I, I can't see myself not doing this. I had no idea you're doing your PhD, but it massively makes sense. It's definitely d- perfect for you to do that. It, and it's really interesting when you ask questions to patients or clients about our services when you ask questions to potential referrers when you ask questions to dietitians counseling skills come up for all of them like Mm. clients think they're really important and would want a dietitian with better counseling skills than not dietitians feel more confident if they have them they don't feel confident if they don't and then the referrers are like oh yes if they've got really good counseling skills and my clients say that they've had a good experience, I just keep sending more. And that's actually, that's data that's coming out of of the research I'm doing now. And so it's all like fits in nicely with the counselling skills program. That's why I feel like I I really want to invest a lot of my energy into it. 
Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that you're able to marry both of your passions that way. That is, that is like every dietitian's dream, right? <laughs> oh, thank you. It is. It's a, I think sometimes I've, I've bitten off a bit more than I can chew and I need to like slow things down, but it just reminds me of how hard changing is and it lets me um, relate a bit more to our clients where you know, we could run the risk of giving them too much information, too many things to do, and they get so overwhelmed they don't want to do any of it. Um, so, <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah. So it's slow and steady, very slow and steady. You can relate on all levels. You've been through it all. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's so much more to come. There's a lot that I haven't been through and that I don't know and that I'll find out along the journey. That's the, that's the best part. Like you just know that you're on this journey. I love how you say that you're on this journey and that you first see yourself being on the same journey and just advancing and doing the research and collecting the data and just doing all you can to help both dietitians and, you know, clients to just be better and be receptive to what you can do to help them live their healthiest lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do think that because... I think a lot of dietitians might feel this way from the conversations I've had with them. But if you, sometimes it's it's exciting, but it can also like leave you feeling uncertain about well, where do I go? Because when you start to do something a bit different to like a normal clinical route, you have there aren't like we're only just seeing now dietitians showing us how they can do different things in the dietetic space because of how social media has exploded. Like I can see what dietitians are doing in the US, but I could never see that before. So it's like, we just don't know what our potential is. That's kind of true. And that's the one positive about social media. I think that's, and it's a great way to, you know, like you said, to learn more about what's going on everywhere, but then also to see the great things that dietitians are doing. Mm. Like for us connecting, I would have never known that you were doing all this you know, research and like all the time and energy that you put into both of your, you know, like your, your clinic job and your, you know, working with dietitians, I would have no idea. So that's so great to be able to shout to your horn and share that with the world. Oh, thank you. And, and likewise, I wouldn't have never known about you and listened to your podcast and enjoyed it so much. And now I'm just, I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm I can't believe I'm on it. <laughs> Well, it's fun to have you. I just, you know, sometimes I'm like, this is a podcast, but I also just feel like we're just having a phone call and just, you know, just chatting, which is so yeah. nice too. It's really nice. Well, I love everything that you're doing. I think um, now that I even have more background information, I just have a huge, a big appreciation for everything that you're doing. I think it's amazing. And I am going to be a fan and I will definitely be following along to see when you become Dr. Stephanie. I can't wait for you. That's amazing. Oh, thank you, Anne. That is so <laughs> nice of you to say. Thank you. It's, it actually just gave me a chill now because it feels so far away that I haven't even thought about that. Like when I actually finish the research. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you do. You probably are like, but you said you're kind of halfway done. So you're like, you know, you're getting there, which is so exciting. Thank you. And I, I love following on and um, watching you. I love your account and I love what you're about and what how you support dietitians as well is, is really great to uh, give us access to each other so we feel like we're not alone and we can see what everyone else is doing. I think that's very special. Thank you. I think, you know, I just love the network of 
just finding like-minded dietitians that you just like, you know, like I feel like I just felt a vibe with you. And I think that there's a lot of us that feel that same way. And it's just great to be able to connect on so many different levels. So I thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right. Are you ready for the hard questions? <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> well, Miss Stephanie, why don't you share with me some foods that you enjoy? Oh, foods. I would say um, oh, my two favorite foods would have to be feta mm-hmm. and like the darkest chocolate possible. Really? You like the like, really dark, dark chocolate? I really do. I think it's it's been an acquired taste over the last 15 years and I, I just, I love it. I'm kind of with you on that. Like it, I definitely will say my chocolate taste preferences have evolved as I've aged. <laughs> And it has to be part of my routine every day. Like it kind of completes the day where I sit down and I'm like, oh, let's have my dark chocolate now. Oh, see, that's perfect. I I think everyone's day should end with something that brings them joy. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy it. Do you have beverages or a beverage that you enjoy? You know, I'm not that big on beverages. I mainly just drink water and if I am going to have something that's alcoholic, the one that I really enjoy is a bit of gin. Ooh. But I really, I don't know, I don't know why. I'm really not that into beverages. It's more like I, I'm just, I just go straight to the food. <laughs> don't fill up on drinks. Just go to the food. <laughs> it's just my go-to. You know, I don't blame you on that. I mean, the food is the best part. The drinks are just an accessory. So you don't yeah. really need them. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a scent or smells that you enjoy? Uh, yes, my true favorite are gardenias mm. um, and coconut. Do you grow? Do those grow in where you live? They do. We've actually um, we finally have a garden with my family, uh, and so we are growing some gardenias now. So it's always really nice when they um, they pop up. Uh, in the right season because I, I really do it's funny you ask this question and because I've lost my sense of smell since having children you have um, I have so I've got to like sniff the gardenias so hard to smell them properly now but I, I, I still love having them around oh my gosh so that's a great does that is that a thing that happens I've never heard of this before I shouldn't either I might heard of all the other things that could happen but um but not that (laughs) I was not expecting that one was it with your how many children do you have um we have two and so it happened with the first I lost my sense of smell in the last trimester um, and I had issues with my taste for the whole pregnancy. But then it just, everyone was like, oh, once you give birth, you'll get better, you'll go away. And it just never did. So I, I think, um, yeah, I, I would be so, ex- I'm so excited when I can smell something and it smells lovely. <laughs> That's going to be the best day ever. <laughs> yeah, I know. I fingers crossed it comes back at some point. Oh, I hope we'll so see. too, because I mean, like gardenias and coconut, like you probably have to have really strong smells to even smell a little bit. So, oh my yes. goodness. Yes, I do have to have lots of strong scents around. Okay, well, you have to message me and let me know when this happens because I will celebrate with you. (laughs) I will. (laughs) Is there one thing or something that 
you would share with me that no one really knows about you? Um, yeah, sure. So I, when I was uh, studying for my dietetics degree, I actually worked as a skincare consultant for Clinique for six years. And that was Ooh. a lot of fun. And I think that's really, that also built my like interactions with people and like working out like how to talk to them, how to give them what they want when they come to ask for things. I really enjoyed that. Oh, I, you know what though? What a great place to build like, com- like communication skills because skincare is very personal, like food, right? Yes. Yes. So interesting. I love skincare. Like I, that's my, if I wasn't a dietitian, I would just go around and talk about skincare with people. That's what I would do. <laughs> and when you find something that you really love, you just, you become like the, the pseudo ambassador for them. <laughs> you just like, how, I need to share this with everyone. Everyone needs to know how good this is. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, you have, be- you have, I have been admiring your skin. I'm like, she's got gorgeous skin. So now that kind of makes sense too, because you have beautiful skin. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and what brings you joy in life? Well, I'd have to say my relationships. And you um, have some good ones. Yeah, so the, the family relationships I have um, that I've been really blessed with, with, um, you know, children and, and my, my personal relationships, my friendships, I think they, they bring me a lot of joy. I feel like you apply the same, you know, when you think about the passion of helping your kidney clients and your dietitian clients, I can only imagine the support and the communication that you provide to your relationships. Oh, thanks, Anne. Um, It's actually interesting you say that because before when I wasn't so confident, when I was learning all the counselling skills and I would um, come home from a day at at, at uni and I was still a bit too worried to apply them to my client population, so I would just see, I'm just going to try it in this situation with them. my parents or my partner or my friend and just see if it makes a difference. And when it did, it would give me the confidence to go and try it with the client the next day because they're just, it's, it's so like people struggle in so many aspects of their lives and people just need to be fit. They need to feel like you're seeing them and you're hearing them before you push them into any type of change or solution. Like all that magic happens before. And I think it's, it's changed the way I am as a person because now I'm just, I'm so comfortable with that space. Ah, I, that there's nothing more true than that. I think you're a hundred percent correct. Like that communication that you have with those people, those heartbeats, those people that give you life when you know that when you know you're doing well with them and you know that you can do that in every aspect that you're in. Yeah. And I know that these concepts are very important to you too, because we talk about them. Like you always post something that resonates with me and I'm like, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) But likewise, you know, like that's the thing when you can actually, when someone like feels all the, all the feels when they see something or hear something or read something, it's like, that's just another form of communication that just resonates. And it's, it's so important. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you this morning, this morning, this afternoon. We're both in different time zones, but you are just a breath of fresh air. And I love everything that you're doing, Stephanie. And I can't wait until you get your sense of smell back and taste and 
when you become a doctor and do all the amazing things. Oh, thank you so much, Anne. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I have so much respect and admiration for what you're doing. So it's been very special for me to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, my dear. You are just rocking. I am just, I am blown away by all the things that you're doing. So gosh, I don't know where you have the time. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, there are definitely, um, we're, we're off the podcast now, aren't yes. we? Yes, yes, we are. Well, it's um, it's definitely not, not as easy as like the way I might talk about it. Uh, I definitely have to, like you feel it when you're doing too much. I think we've had the conversation before of like getting close to just being like close to burnout where I need to like reevaluate and work on the things that I really love mm-hmm. and not try and do it all. But we're getting there. Well, and like, you know, for you too, like balancing with your family and your home life, I mean, that's a lot for you to be. And then also being in getting your PhD, I just, yeah, I'm like, you're superwoman. So you look like you've got it all together, even when you're on Instagram. And I'm like, so impressed. So. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I, I, I feel like, like Instagram growth has been so slow for me that I just never know if I'm doing it right. It's hard. You know, I feel like Instagram is hard because there's just the logarithm is not friendly. And I don't know, like sometimes I think it is slow, but I think once you kind of keep being consistent and like keep showing up that it starts to pick up momentum. So don't let it get, don't let it get to you because it's just, yeah, there's just so much other stupid stuff out there that drives me crazy about what dietitians are doing. And I'm like, why does that get so much attention? And yeah. I'm putting out good content and that doesn't get any attention. <laughs> I, know, I know. I'm so with you there. I feel like I invest so much time in Instagram and then I could just do one Facebook post in a dietitian group, letting them know I have a program open and I get a client or two from there. Mm-hmm. But you just wasted all these hours on Instagram. Yeah. And you'll start to, like, I think you start to realize where, you do want to spend more of your time. I think you have to kind of do a couple to kind of see what works better. And then once you kind of get that momentum, then you can be like, well, I won't do as much here, but I'll do more here. So maybe like Facebook is more, you know, like more beneficial to you and you're reaching a better audience that way. And then you can just kind of simmer down on the Instagram part. Cause it takes a lot of time to do Instagram, like reels and yeah, that's exhausting. (laughs) And you know, you've got to have, like where, where I am, if I leave them at night time, the lighting's really poor. So it's got to be mm. during sunlight hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to have like the right time of day and it has to be the best. I know. I know. I feel the same way. <laughs> it's good to know I'm not alone. No, you're not. You're not. I think you're doing great though. So don't let that discourage you. Thank you. That means a lot. I don't know how this gal does all the things. She's a renal dietitian. She's getting her PhD. She has her own program. She's got her own family. She just it looks like she's got it all put together. And I just think everything that she's doing, the work that she's doing with renal dietetics, I think is so necessary. And it's so amazing to know that she sees, you know, the clientele that they have and how little of dietitian coverage they have in that area. I feel like maybe it's a little bit better here in the United States, but I also think there's a huge disconnect and there needs to be more early intervention in renal nutrition, which I was great to hear what she's discovering and what she's researching. 
And then I also love the component of how she's helping dietitians be better at counseling and work at their counseling skills and the insight she provided with how we run our businesses or what we're doing to create better businesses. And it all goes back to our patients and how we care for our patients and our clients. And I think Stephanie does such a great job. Just from learning from her today, I can tell she does just a great job on both aspects of her professional career. So if you're interested, if you're a dietitian or, you know, you've been, you know, working in dietetics for a while and this might be something that just would be helpful to refresh your abilities to counsel patients, maybe have better retainment with your clients, this is a great podcast to listen to. Remember to be great, always find the joy in each day and to start a conversation that truly matters.